0: Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show.
1: Classic hits.
0: Uh, But first, you may remember last week we spoke to you about the Tawnish saying that children born in Ireland should have a pathway to citizenship but that repealing or overturning the 27th Amendment is a different thing. Now, under the amendment passed in 2004 uh, in a citizenship referendum, children born in Ireland are only entitled to automatic citizenship if at least one of their parents is a citizen or is entitled to be a citizen. In 2004, former Justice Minister Michael McDool proposed a citizenship referendum to end the automatic right to Irish citizenship for all babies born in Ireland. At the time, of course, that was... We felt it was being abused. Um, there was a, a name now, which is almost a derogatory term, which was called Anchor Babies. And many countries around the world had kind of put a plug in that loophole to stop, I suppose, the free movement of people and people claiming uh, to be a citizen of a country just because they were born there. We had we had somebody on the air last week talking to us who worked in immigration at the time. And they said literally people were arriving to the country pregnant. Now, I don't, true, I don't know how true those anecdotal stories are, but many people believe they were true for that to the point where we had to have a referendum on it. Now, the Labour leader... Alan Kelly told the doll last week that his party is now pursuing a campaign to ensure that every child born in this country has a pathway towards citizenship. Uh, We will not stop until it is achieved and it is completely wrong that such children cannot get passports, have problems accessing higher education or in some cases are threatened with deportation. He also quoted the case, of course, of Eric C. Uh, Yingmi, uh, Zhu, I think is how he pronounced his name, who was threatened with deportation to China last year. Eric has never lived anywhere other than his native, Wicklow, and believe that these kind of situations should be exceptions to the rule. Now, the Labour senator and party spokesperson on children, disability, equality and integration, Ivana Batrick joins me on the line now. Ivana, good evening or good afternoon to you.
1: Good afternoon.
0: Matt. Right, we've got a lot in there. And I suppose a lot of people are looking at what the Labour Party are doing at the moment in relation to this legislation and what, what Leo Varadkar spoke about last week as undemocratic because they're saying, well, hold on for a second. You know, 79% of the population back in 2004 voted against this. So why do we want to change it?
1: Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me on the show and, um, and you've set out the, the background, but there is one crucial thing perhaps that, that needs to be said, which is that the amendment in 2004, the 27th Amendment, which inserted a new Article 921 to the Constitution, didn't in fact abolish outright what we call birthright citizenship or citizenship by virtue of birth it enables the Oireachtas to legislate for, back- for birthright citizenship or for citizenship uh, to be re- regulated by law. So you quoted that a person, you know, that the new provision inserted in 2004 said a person born on the island of Ireland who doesn't have at least one parent who's an Irish citizen or entitled to one, is not entitled to Irish citizenship. But you left out a crucial last Phrase now, uh, and as a lawyer I have to, you know, but it's... Okay, so what, what, is that, a, what is that What is that last phrase? Because yeah,
0: I think the majority of people who voted in that Havana would have been under the impression that, that was the, what the referendum was actually about, but what is the last phrase?
1: No, I think it was made very clear at the time what the referendum was about. I should say Labour campaigned against the
0: referendum. I, I do the remember I was on radio yeah, at the time, yeah. so I do remember the, yeah. the, a lot of debate at the time about it. <laughs> yes, yeah. and
1: there was a lot of debate. No, people were well informed, but look you know, the crucial last phrase is unless provided for by law. So what, the, what Article 9 now does, as a member is it enables the Oireachtas to legislate to regulate how somebody born in Ireland uh, can be entitled to citizenship and after the referendum was passed it actually was through further legislation that the current rules on citizenship were provided for. Now what we're doing with our Labour Bill, which as you say Alan Kelly spoke about in the Dáil two weeks ago and, and Leo Bradker, you know, the Taunishta made um, some very positive noises about it and certainly in principle. Um, we're putting it back before the Shannad next week. We actually passed it at a second stage in the Shannad two years ago with support from Fine Fall and the Greens then and we're hopeful the government will see a way to it even if they wish to amend it, that's fine. Do you, okay, but, but, if Anna, but what, do you, what, the, what uh, the bill will do? Sorry, now what the bill would do is it would provide a pathway to citizens. Okay, to make to, to make it, it easier in, in in
0: those sort of circumstances. And I understand. And and by and the way, the, the case of uh,
1: Young Eric and and you know, a small number mind of you, I, I
0: I understand, and everybody understands uh, Young Eric's situation, right? We all yes. understand the situation. Here is a young child who knows no nothing else apart from living in Ireland. He's never been to China probably in his whole life, right? So he he knows Ireland. Ireland is where he has lived all his life. Unfortunately, the situation he was in with his mum or her her dad, I'm not too sure of his background I think it was his mom, you know, was in this country um, and she wasn't here at, at the time legitimately. So the point is that he was in a situation where it wasn't his fault. And I get that. And there's thousands more children just like young Eric around the country. But people will argue that, yes, we have to be empathetic. Yes, we have to be understanding. And let's look at each individual case. But passing a law that suggests that you have some sort of easier way to citizenship or pathway to citizenship. And I know Joe Biden has mentioned this only recently as well to suggest to some people that we become an easy target then for illegal immigration.
1: Do you not see that? No, I, I, I think, in fact, people have moved on since 2004. It is 16 years ago, and certainly we had a Sunday Times poll that more recently that suggested that over 70% of people would like to see birthright citizenship well, then restored. Why, why not have another refer- so, well, why uh, not have another referendum then? Because, we, well, the first thing is to say we don't need one, that constitutionally the power rests with the Oireachtas to legislate for this. So as legislators, our first duty is to see if we can legislate to, to enable... People, children and families in the situation that Eric and his family found themselves in to enable them to participate pathway to citizenship. And let's not forget... In the, this but, year, is, but is that are, the will of the people, Ivana? Is
0: that the will of the people? If we're trying to get around, uh, you know, so the, the Constitution yeah. of Ireland with legislation that well, we not put in... To get no, no, what I'm saying is with the line that we put it? in... Yes, I know, the line that we put in into the referendum suggesting that it could be uh, legislated for at a future date. If, for example, we're trying to get around that somehow... At the time, we know that was the will of the people. Yes, you're right. Maybe we've changed our minds. Maybe things have changed. 79% of people. That was a landslide, by the way, that referendum. But it was a big turnout too. Uh, so let's the be the clear The turnout about
1: was actually low in that referendum. But, no, know, well, we, well, it was but a fairly big not, turnout. We, I'm we, looking
0: at the turnout here but, with, regarding referendums. It was fairly big too. It was 59% I think but, it was a no turnout.
1: Look, uh, I think it was our... But look, yeah. you know, I think the reality is that there's huge support now for a more generous approach to citizenship. And in this year of COVID, what we've seen... Uh, increasingly is an awareness among people that we have quite a number of people working in frontline Caring services in nursing homes and so on around the country, who are facing threats around their legal status here. And it's also, as you say, I mean, you wrote, you mentioned Joe Biden. and You're quite right. I mean, in in the US also, there's a huge issue for undocumented Irish people there who are again facing that absolutely like, And we 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 rightly fight for the rights of Irish people in America to be to have greater certainty. But is se- essentially, what we're year. looking at here is a situation.
0: So, the reason the reason that Michael McDougall at the time brought in this uh, asked for this particular referendum and put this to the people at the time was, we saw a situation where at the time it was referred to as anchor babies around the world and many countries closed that loophole. Ireland was the only country, I think, at the time that didn't uh, until we had that referendum. And we saw, and Michael due at the time gave evidence in regards to all the debates we had in radio, because I remember speaking to him at the radio on the time, that people were literally coming to Ireland pregnant because they saw an opportunity that if they arrived in Ireland, had a baby in Ireland, the baby becomes a citizen and they become a citizen as a guardian of the child. So people were abusing that piece of legislation. So we decided we needed to stop it. Now we're going back to a situation where we're making it easy again. And you're saying the people of Ireland have changed their minds. Well, if they've changed their minds, I know you're saying there doesn't have to be a referendum. Why not ask the people? I don't believe we're asking the people because I don't, Ivana, with the greatest respect to you, I know you have your view on it and I respect your view on it, but I don't believe everybody agrees with you.
1: Well, first of all, I think it's unfortunate to use terms that are, in fact, scaremongering terms. And we saw a lot of that. It's not scaremongering, it's fact, Ivana. Well, can I just say this? There was anecdot- you know, anecdotal at death. Was the sort of evidence put forward? There was no real substantial evidence put forward of any abuse of our birthright citizenship law, which, by the way, has been in place in Ireland for a long time. Because, of course, you know, it's it, and, and tied up with the, our history, with the fact that people born on the island of Ireland were constitutionally entitled to citizenship. So, you know, we had a proud history on this, as they do in the US. And uh, you know, the reality was in 2004, as I say, there was a good deal of scaremongering around it. It was anecdotal evidence, and the figures that were presented were were deeply flawed. And I mean, we looked back at this recently, you know, those figures referring to, to, you know, non-national parents having uh, uh, children in Irish hospitals. Most of the non-national parents living in Ireland at the time were in fact EU citizens. 70% of non-national people in Ireland in 2004 were EU citizens. So they're citizens of other EU member states who clearly didn't need to be seeking Irish citizenship in order to have a right to reside in Ireland. They had that under EU law. So there was never any substantive evidence put forward to, to substantiate that claim around abuse. It was a claim that was so bandied around and, you know, very troubling for those of us who opposed it and opposed it on principle. And I'm proud to say that Labour stood against that referendum and that we're standing now on the Born Here, Belong Here campaign, being led by Labour Youth and by all of us seeking to, as I say, put forward a modest proposal providing an easier pathway to... Citizenship.
0: Would it, would it, if I can interject just if I can, it, I can, I can okay. interject for a second, yeah. would it not be better that we fix the system we have? We have people come to this country and it takes years for them to go through the immigration process or asylum process or whatever it happens to be because our system fails miserably and we have the legal profession making a fortune out of it. Would it not be better to fix the system so we don't have situations like poor Eric and other young children around the country or children who are born while that process is taking place and those who genuinely need asylum or those who genuinely need to be supported who come from other countries in this country should get it. Actually more of them should be getting it if they genuinely need support because absolutely I believe Amnesty International are right when they talk about protecting people around the world. We should be doing that. But we do know that, you know, the asylum process and other processes that we have uh, in this country are being abused as well. We do have a lot of economic migrants coming to Ireland. So we need to find out who is genuine, who's not. And those who are genuine, let's throw every support possible at them. And, you know, let's give them housing. Let's look after them with social welfare or get them jobs or help them on the path to get jobs or citizenship. Let's do all that. But for those who are not, let's do what we should be doing and what most of the countries are doing. You're not a genuine uh, immigration case. And unfortunately, that's the law. You have to go. I mean, in other countries, you'd be put in handcuffs and put back on a plane again. So, what I'm saying is, be fair to the Irish people. It is our country, and we do have to protect it. And so on. We, I don't know whether you're in favour of open borders, Havana but I don't think that's the solution for Ireland.
1: No, I think I there's a huge amount in what you said that I've disagreed with. You know, and I think. Okay, well, let me know. What you amfor- just amfor- with. Well, look, let me start. Let me give me a chance to respond. I think. I think. First of all, I think we need to be careful in our language. I think it can be, it's very easy to bandy around terms that are, again, scaremongering but suggest that people are, you know, abusing systems. People are well. abusing are we, the system. The real- well, look, look, the reality is we you're, have well, to You're, you're well. not facing reality no, if you don't believe people have. are
0: abusing the system.
1: We have a legal system that is designed to ensure that people who have genuine claims can make genuine claims, and people who don't, have, you know, are, are, are dealt with through the legal system. So, absolutely, immigration. But we're failing those people. Reform. We're failing the Mavala. In, in fact, Niall, if you look forensically, you'll see, uh, you'll see, in fact, that our immigration laws have been reformed. That the time p- to process applications has been reduced in recent years. Yes, of course, more reforms are needed. In particular, reform of the direct provision system. Absolutely, I'm, I couldn't agree more. Itself. Yeah, no, and I very much welcome, actually, the current government's proposal, um, in which they're, you know, really Im- moving forward and implementing their proposal to abolish direct provision, to replace it with a more humane system, a system where people aren't going to be, you know, institutionally housed, if you like, while absolutely. they're awaiting resolution. And, and, I, and I couldn't agree and with you far, more, but we still have to
0: have an immigration policy. Absolutely. Yeah. But
1: nobody's denying that, Niall. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a lawyer. Of course I believe in a properly regulated legal system for immigration. Of course I stand for reforms to ensure that our system is more efficient, absolutely. For for a long time to work Terrible delays in the system, and you right, I mean, you know, the one thing I do agree with you, I and mean, that certainly did lead to injustice, and it did lead to people being housed in indirect provision. for part i well, life institutionalised. I mean, we don't oh, want to, we
0: don't want to look back at direct provision like the Magdalene I laundries, for God's sake.
1: You're quite right about that, and I mean, you know, I've met people who've been in direct provision for five, six, seven, eight, more than ten years. So, you know, but that is now, you know, due to reforms. That is, and part that of that They're reform
0: much. will part of that reform include. The 85% of those, for example, who do get deportation orders because we feel they're not genuine or they don't comply with the the, the legislation in regards to, say, asylum seekers or whatever it happens to be, or immigration. Well, the 85% who don't get deported because that's, I well, believe, the failure rate in deportion. Should, well, should should that be fixed as well?
1: It depends how you look at the figures and it depends in which year. And certainly for some time, there was a real concern among international human rights bodies that Ireland was refusing too many applications. So that's the other side of the coin is that you know, is that there was an unfair system for those who were seeking asylum and far too many were being refused, who in other countries would have got asylum. And you may recall there was a legal case taken some years ago, in fact, that succeeded, that showed there was a a serious problem with our system that was refusing too many. So there are, you know, there are difficulties with with figures, but Mm. absolutely, let's see um, a fair, a robust legal system around immigration, where processes are efficient, where people aren't Delayed for years, awaiting, awaiting outcomes, and where uh, and where genuine claims will be will be considered okay. and processed. And, you know, I would say this now as well. You know, we do good things in our immigration system too. There's reports in the press this week, you know, of of um, a number of Syrian families who've come over on our rapid resettlement program fleeing conflicts in Syria. They they're fast tracked quite rightly through the system. They have refugee status, and there's a very strong absolutely. And, and the by the way, I, by, by the way,
0: Ivana, life. I would be absolutely in favour of doing more of that uh, when you when you were looking at people who are genuinely Obviously, coming from yes. from life or death situations. Uh, oh, but, I, I, doubt about that. Yeah, but but finally, just in, in relation to that, I just want to ask you something else too, very quickly as well. But uh, you don't believe what the Labour Party are suggesting at the moment and what this leg- legislation is doing. You don't believe it's undemocratic, no, because a lot of people believe <laughs> it is.
1: No, far no. Like, I, well, I know from a legal point of view, it's not. But no, I mean, obviously... No, Niall, I'm a legislator. You know, my job is to bring forward legislation. Labour has a proud tradition. Well, legislation that, that goes that
0: seems to go against the will of the people. But I mean, no, I, no. I, and I would have no problem with another referendum if if they decided to do that and change the wording again. Okay, but okay. So it's
1: not necessary. We're providing a modest proposal. We still, have to, you know, to say children born here, two children side by side in a maternity hospital. Why are we saying one has a right to a pathway to citizenship by virtue of their parents' legal status and the other? Because government? that's the so way. Bills- because that's the
0: way immigration works, isn't it, Ivana? Well, if people no, are, I mean, well, most people in this country believe that it, that citizenship is uh, something to be honour or to be something that we should protect and should be precious, and it goes by parentage, but that's the way most well, people. Believe
1: no we don't know that for sure in isle and i think you know the proof will be now in the passage of the legislation hopefully through the Iraq okay. certainly we've seen positive signs being made i'm glad to say from Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael about it, as I say. Fianna Fáil and the Greens supported it from opposition, uh, and I think people see there's a need for reform. There's a small number of families here, many of whom have lived here for, for as you said, like Eric's family for, for years, whose children know no other home but Ireland and should have a way to citizenship, a route to
0: citizenship. Okay, well, okay, okay. okay but finally, is. just before you go, by the way, I just want to mention as well that I, I know you're on the radio this morning now, talking about the Globe Bar and Rira Nightclub, um, and yeah. I know it's completely off the topic, but I mean this idea that uh, that <laughs> Dublin is moving forward. I suppose there to put <laughs> these two nightclubs at permanently closed which is very sad because I worked in the nightclub industry for 25 years and it was a wonderful industry unfortunately that was on the decline anyway before COVID-19 came along and the COVID-19 put the nail in the coffin of course but it's on Georgia Street and they are two beautiful buildings as well but they're permanently closed to make way for a five-storey hotel you know, Ivana, some, there are people out there who say, well, look, we have to progress as a society. We have to stop this idea that we have to protect every single building in the country. Um, but I, I get what people are saying, that these are beautiful, some beautiful buildings around the country that we're, we're going to lose our two-storey or three-storey look across the city uh, for all these much bigger buildings. How? What's your feelings on that?
1: Well, well, it is a very different issue. But, you know, I put in an objection, actually, to the develop, proposed development Uh, on South Great Georgia Street. And for anyone who doesn't know, South Great Georgia Street is a beautiful old building that houses the Central Hotel. You know, I suppose two key objections. One was the architectural heritage, the fact that this is a beautiful building, that, you know, the the plans would drastically change that cityscape there, and we we need to see preservation. I am glad to see that while the council have given permission, they have put in quite a lot of conditions, particularly around conservation. That's good. But my second objection, which hasn't been addressed, is the objection to the destruction of our cultural heritage, and that's really because we're seeing increasingly nightclubs like well, the Globe and RiR are the two nightclubs that as you, as you say, are in this complex that will be, you know. Demolished. Oh, I probably really DJ'd uh, in them at one I, point I,
0: in my I, life, yeah.
1: Oh my God! Well, I've danced in those clubs. Well, over I, many I did. Years. I worked in Club, Club M. Canada,
0: I worked into Mango. I've worked oh, in them all. Well, yeah, you
1: yeah, yeah. But you're, I mean, of course, you're right. I mean, you know, there has been other reasons for the decline of nightclubs in Dublin, but there is a strong campaign, nonetheless, led by you know younger citizens than I am uh, in Dublin. Uh, Britain, Back the night, you know, reclaim the night, bring back a nightlife culture in Dublin, a vibrant city. Yeah, should we all miss coppers as well?
0: Country. You know what I mean? I mean oh, sure. look,
1: no <laughs> comment on coppers, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, well, look, absolutely. Well, I mean, it does remind
0: me very quickly of a story going back a long time ago when I didn't we knock down some beautiful buildings in a, was it was at least not least street in Streetness. We built the ESP... It was either the ESP head yeah. office of the Revenue Commission. It's
1: just off Fitzwilliam Square. That's right. And, and we and knocked Mary's them down Square. and then we that's rebuilt
0: true. the bloody things again. We took it down. Mount, yeah,
1: right yeah, Mount, Mount Street,
0: Street. Street, that's where it was. And they're
1: very ugly and they're being knocked down. As you said. there's a big a hoarding around them now. Anyone who passes by regularly will know. What a but mistake look, you know, we made by
0: knocking down those wonderful buildings at the time, putting yeah. that ugly-looking yoke in the middle of them.
1: A, I know. I'm not against... Of course, I'm not against pro- development and progress, but I do think we need to just be mindful of our cultural heritage as well as our architectural heritage. We saw just in my own area in Portobello. Uh, just recently the destruction of the Bernard Shaw which was a great old pub. Yes, and again, absolutely. Centre for creativity and for nightlife. So, you know, new things of course will arise to take their place but let's just be mindful that we don't just destroy things you know, and and, and see and you, progress know, too quickly. Yes. yes endless new yeah. hotels growing up and especially again, especially at a time of COVID, need to look at, you know, what are we replacing these buildings with as well? You know, what's going in there? Is okay. it massive hotel complexes? Or is it actual decent substantial housing for for people who need it?
0: All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. And I appreciate you coming on the air, Ivanabachik and I you. appreciate it.